Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. What's up, guys? 
Hey, Love Tribe, welcome to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. Whether you're single, dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. And today, there are a lot of great tools from Dr. Deborah Campbell, and Dr. Campbell joins us all the way from Australia, but that's easy to do through Skype. And she offers a lot of great information on mindfulness and emotional intelligence in a relationship. And Dr. Campbell is a trained psychologist, but in her previous career, she was a meditation and yoga instructor. So she's kind of uniquely qualified to bring these two worlds of couples therapy and psychology in with mindfulness and meditation practices. And she has a lot of great information practical tools and tips to bring mindfulness and emotional intelligence into your relationship. So definitely listen out for her recommendations or the specific tools and practices that you can use. You guys might notice, but I was not in most of the interview. I was taking care of Stella, our daughter, but with the holidays coming up and All the stress that a lot of us can experience um, from traveling or going to visit family or just having to deal with the crowds at the shopping mall. It is good to meditate and just remember to kind of step back and breathe and hopefully use some of the tools that Dr. Deborah has given us. And stay tuned for at the end of the episode, we're playing another hip abduction song. This song is called... Bamako Lullaby from their album One Less Sound and it is a lullaby get you in that mood be meditative mindful and relax and just breathe and get that stress out from all that holiday shopping or dealing with family (laughs) this time of year we really appreciate all of your support you guys listening to the show Tell your friends about it. Leave us a review. Subscribe on iTunes. Send us an email. Let us know what you're liking, what you're disliking, what you'd like to hear more of, different topics. We really love to hear from our listeners, the Love Tribe, and we appreciate your support. You can also support the podcast by clicking on the Amazon link in our show description. We get a small percentage of everything you buy from Amazon It doesn't cost you anything, doesn't raise a price or anything, and just a nice way that uh, can help support the show, help us cover the costs of recording, and maybe potentially one day a babysitter for Stella so Sarah can not miss so many interviews. You can also support the show on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. You can donate as little as $2 a month, and every little bit helps, so check out our Patreon page, and lastly, audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. You can go on there. You'll get a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download. So you can download Harry Potter or you can download a relationship book. One of our most popular recommendations is The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I've actually read the book, did not listen, but I love listening to audio And you can do it while you work out, while you're driving to work, and get that relationship advice, of course, after you listen to I Do Podcast. And uh, yeah, check that out and enjoy it. And we appreciate you all listening. Enjoy the episode, guys. 
Deborah. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, Dr. Campbell, we've given our listeners a little information about what it is that you do. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Absolutely. Um, Well, I'm a couple therapist. I'm a psychologist by training. And I did my PhD studies in Melbourne on couple relationship satisfaction and the factors that go into creating a really satisfying, which is a little bit of a lukewarm word really, isn't it? But a, a very happy, connected, joyful kind of marriage that seems to last the distance. And we looked right back at developmental factors for people. So what their their own childhood attachment to significant carers was like, you know, whether they had close relationship with parents or whether they had uh, struggles in their childhood and how that affected things right through to all sorts of other personality factors that had developed more along throughout their life. And we tried to look at what was the influence of these things on their relationship. And then I also trained to be a therapist as well. And I did my training at Relationships Australia, which used to be um, called our, our Marriage Guidance Council. So it's the one of the premium bodies for uh, looking after people who are struggling in relationships in Australia. So um, I did those two streams, the research, and then the um, took that into the practical therapy with couples and um, worked there and in private practice for a number of years. And more recently, I've started writing as well. I've become an author writing about relationships and uh, very much our personal development and our emotional intelligence and how that contributes to the kind of relationships we can have. Awesome. Well, we want to zero in today and, and kind of talk a little bit more about those last things, emotional intelligence. And then uh, part of that, they're kind of connected, is mindfulness. And so mm-hmm. it seems like mindfulness is kind of like trending these days, you know, with meditation is kind of having a resurgence. It's uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of successful people talk about meditation and mindfulness. And we hear it in the relationship work of how that can help a relationship. So why don't we start by having you define mindfulness for us and then how we can bring that into a relationship? Sure. You're absolutely right that mindfulness is really coming to a very popular sort of uh, acceptance and understanding, I think, more than ever before. I mean, it's it's ancient. Uh, it comes out of yoga, out of um, yogic philosophy, and uh, but it's it's practiced completely without religion and even without the physical side of yoga. It's a way of life, really. Mindfulness often uh, comes from is taught by the practice of meditation or finding some sense of stillness and and presence in the moment of now, uh, where you are aware of what's going on in your inner world, your thoughts and your feelings, but you're endeavouring to just sit with that and not go off on a tangent and analyse those things or get involved in thinking your way down any of the paths they sort of invite you to. You're just uh, sitting with it and being with it all as it is. And trying to just have an, ex- not even trying, just allowing an expansive sort of state of mind around that. It all just is happening and you're able to move into that observer of your inner life. 
sort of role rather than active participant as we are most of the time. So it's a different state of mind, but it's a natural state of mind. It's inside all of us and we can all uh, click into uh, experiencing mindfulness and uh, usually starting in meditation, as I say, but then taking that out into every aspect of life so that you're able to have that sense of um, uh, expansiveness and and um, sense of yourself as being able to take a moment, have a breath, even under pressure because you have a, um, a different perspective, a broader perspective on life perhaps. Yeah, it's such a valuable tool and but it's it's easier said than done, right? It's like you said we all have it inside of us, but it it's I don't think especially nowadays in modern society and we're so busy, it's hard to access. And what's a, a easy tool that our listeners can use to try to be more mindful? Yeah, the focusing on your breathing is always the way to start. And also to not make too much of a big deal of of meditation or mindfulness and think, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it right? You know, it's it's really hard or I have to devote a certain amount of time every day. All those things can just put pressure. I think really the way to start is to just spend, you know, one minute, two minutes here and there, wherever you can, whatever you're doing, pull back for a moment, close your eyes if you're comfortable to do that and just watch your breathing for the shortest time is okay. Just to give yourself that sense of I can be a very uh, involved participant in in everything that's going on in my head and my heart or I can take just this tiny little, little breath and step back and observe for a moment and realize that I'm involved with this but I'm also more than this. There's a part of me that can see myself thinking, that can see my, my feelings and that can just take that tiny bit of space to get a new perspective when I need to or when it's healthy to do so. So much of it is is the breath work and there's an app that I, I found. It's a meditation app and there's a few, but Headspace, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard mm-hmm. of it. Our listeners probably have. They're, I think one of the major ones, but I would encourage uh, – our listeners, you can download it. It's free, and then they have like 10 free sessions, and then it's a short – if you want to continue, there's a short subscription. But even those 10 free sessions, and it just gets you in tune with, with your breathing, with your body, with your awareness, and our physical is, is connected to our emotional, and, and I think that's where the breath comes in. And it, relating that to relationships, I find it's been so valuable just personally and then – hearing other people's stories and talking to other experts that, especially in conflict, because when we're arguing or we're in conflict or we're heading that way, our emotions kind of take over and we are being, what I would say is the opposite of mindful. You know, you're mindless and you're letting your your emotions control your reaction and what you're saying and, and what you're doing physically. And just even just taking a short breath before you go down that path will sometimes be enough to snap you out of it and be like, okay, this is unreasonable what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and uh, it's just such a valuable tool. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, mindfulness is a life skill, 
it doesn't mean you have to become a meditator. You know, if you're not into meditation, that's fine. But mindfulness, the ability to give yourself the space and have the emotional intelligence uh, activated in yourself, because we all have it, to have that, that activated in yourself that you can respond rather than lash out and react um, in, a, in a fight or flight kind of way in your relationships, in your meaningful relationships. You know, that, that is really a relationship-saving skill, an ability to just be able to check before you jump if your, your raw spots are being touched or you're feeling really angry or you're feeling hurt, just to be able to check, is what I'm about to do or say now going to make this better or going to make this worse? If you can just give yourself a split second to check that before you jump, then you can save a lot of trouble and a lot of hurt. Because if nasty words come out, especially in couple relationships and in families, people remember them. You know, words spoken in anger are quite memorable. And if you cannot do them in the first place, not say them, and just think about, you know, am I am I actually being helpful to myself and my partner? Um, you, you save yourself a lot of trouble, a lot of hurt, and keep things on a on a much better path in the relationship. Because there's there's no such thing for me as a therapist, and what I've seen, there's no such thing as good criticism in a couple. There's no such thing as you know good fights, so far as I'm concerned. You know, you can disagree. But that word fight to me is never, never really going to go to a good place, you know? Yeah. And, and like you said, you never forget those those angry comments and and that will just build up, you know, and it's it's like all these little fights. You might not think it's a big deal, but if you're having having them and it's just like this emotional bank account and. If you're going into the negative, into the negative, and there's not positive going in there, it, it's just going to wear you down. It's going to wear your relationship down. Yes, people remember. They come into therapy when things, because usually people come into therapy, at least in Australia, when things are quite far down the track in terms of going wrong, you know. Um, unfortunately, not many people come early when there's the, the first signs of, of unhappiness or misunderstandings have been occurring, they usually wait for quite a long time, which makes their job and, and my job a little bit harder. But, um, but yeah, often they'll come along and they remember, like you say, they remember the nasty things that were said, even if it was quite a long time ago. And they do store them up and they think, you know, he or she said this and, and um, it's really cut, cut quite deeply and you can't take those words back. So, Having some mindfulness, being able to give things some space is a great preventative. Yeah, and it's, it's so funny how we as humans, we don't like to get ahead of the problem a lot of times. We're waiting until something has gone wrong and then we say, okay, now let's try to fix it. And either it's too late sometimes or you're just giving yourself so much more work. Whereas instead of you can get ahead of the problem uh, you're going to be that much better. And that's what we really try to do on the podcast. Like even personally, why we started it, we were in a in a good place in our relationship, Sarah and I, but we said, you know, why, why not try to make it better? Why not try to get the tools so that when we do run into conflict, which we do and, and everyone will inevitably, uh, we have the tools to, to sort of work with it. And even 
you know, we're 65 shows in and having interviewed 65 experts like yourself, we're still continually struggling to, to do better, to, to improve our relationship. And, it, and like I said, it's in a good place, but I don't think there's anything uh, that exists that's just perfect that doesn't require work. Yeah, it's a great philosophy you have to uh, be preventative and to, you know, the great thing you said then was that you know that challenges will come, you know, that nothing is ever perfect. And if it is, that perfection doesn't stay that way. You know, everything is dynamic. Relationships are dynamic. Our life is constantly changing and throwing up new challenges, even when they're great, like having another, a baby or uh, some something else happen in your life, a new job, these things can be great, but they will challenge the relationship in different ways and they will apply different pressures as well as give great new gifts and things will change and change can always cause some anxiety and um, we have to just acknowledge that, that challenges will occur and it's great to ask ourselves, you know, what am I going to do to be ready and what am I going to do in the event of us disagreeing over something, you know, how are we going to, uh, what tools do we have to talk our way through things, to find resolutions, you know, how do we deal when we don't agree? It's really great to have those those ideas talked about and thought about rather than just hitting the challenge head on and having no preparation, which is unfortunately what a lot of couples do because they believe in the dream of, okay, we're in love and it'll just be like this. And whatever happens, we'll sort it out. We don't need to think about it or plan. But, you know, it's a lot better if you do. (laughs) Being prepared is a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because we're always trying to get a gauge of who our listeners are. And and what I imagine is a lot of times it's people, they're looking for podcasts because maybe they're struggling in a relationship. And we're one of the first podcasts that come up if if you... you know, or Google, or if you're searching for relationship advice, marriage advice, things like that. And, and that's great. And we do want to help those people and, and our listeners that are coming to us from all different uh, relationship backgrounds, single, married, divorced, um, looking for, for someone dating. And, but if, you know, I'm kind of speaking directly to them now is that if you are listening to this, you're struggling one day you're not going to be struggling, and, and that's that's great. Hopefully, that's the situation you find yourself in. But don't don't be like, okay, it's fixed, and stop there. You know, it's like continue to listen to the, this podcast to to read and and to try to improve your relationship because, like you said, life is not static; it's dynamic. And however you're feeling, maybe at that moment of pure bliss, I'm not trying to be negative and say, oh that's going to disappear. But, but that's just what life is. It goes up, it goes down. And so you always, you want to try to get ahead of it and and have as many tools possible to, to deal with whatever arises. Yeah. I think we all to some extent are victims of the fantasy, you know, that, that love is, is um, just happens that you just, you literally fall in love and it's all quite mindless. It happens if it's, if it's right, then it's just feeling wonderful and it's brilliant and then you don't have to do anything after that. You know, I think until we know better, 
that's the line that we're kind of sold by popular culture to some extent or maybe by the fairy stories around us as we're growing up of of what love is. And it can be a real shock to realise that it's not like that and that we're real people, we're not fairy story characters and um, when it comes to love, just like everything else and that it takes... I don't necessarily like to say work, but it takes awareness, it takes focus, presence, mindfulness to have a good relationship. You know, I don't think those things have to be work at all. They're just, they're enjoyable, they're beautiful, but it's not, like you said before, a thoughtless process to be in relationship. It's a very thoughtful process. Yeah, and it's going to make all aspects of your life better. You know, this, this mindfulness, emotional intelligence, it's going to make your relationship better and therefore, or if you're not in a relationship, it's just going to make you have more gratitude and be more aware of the things in your life and, and it's all good stuff. And it's funny how, like you said, it's not a fairy tale. It's like Sleeping Beauty gets kissed by the prince, wakes up and, and they're all, they live happily ever after, but they don't, they don't tell you about the arguments they have in the castle and... <laughs> And everything yeah. along the way. Maybe that needs to be, uh, you know, having a one and a half year old girl. Maybe that needs to be Disney's next movie. You know, show <laughs> show some conflict and conflict resolution and mindfulness and and uh, yeah, I think that would be a good thing. It sure would. It sure would. Stories are so influential, and um, the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and what we deserve where we come from these are usually unconscious stories and until we become more mindful of what goes on in our mind and in our heart every day and you, you know when when challenges come up until we become more mindful of our responses we might not even realize the stories we tell ourselves that are defining us without us even realizing you know for example if if we suffered um you know, a parent wasn't there when we were a child. We suffered a sense of um, not knowing what it was like to be well fathered or mothered, have a parent who was very present emotionally. Then we may have um, have all sorts of assumptions that built up around that that affect how we are in our couple relationship and with our own kids and not realise until we tune in and sort of listen and, and reflect on the way we are in relationship and realise that we can actually reinterpret things that have happened and use them for our advantage instead of feeling like a victim to them or or not even realising their impacts. We can reinterpret difficult things that happen and and see them as strengths we can then build upon and knowledge that we have because of what happened to us and that we wouldn't otherwise have that can empower. So, um, you know, mindfulness helps us to understand who we are and where we come from and what our stories are and what the fairy stories might be that are influencing us and be able to make conscious decisions about about all of that stuff we bring to relationships as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because not only can it help like in the present in a relationship during a present moment of giving you pause, but it can help you self-reflect on the things that have, have shaped you into the reactions that you have today. Mm -hmm. Yes, like for example, I know myself, you know, I didn't have my dad around when I was very little and it, it really sensitized me all my life to feeling left behind or feeling uh, worried about rejection or worried about 
yeah, being left, being abandoned is abandoned is a stronger word, I suppose, but along those lines. And, you know, even to this day when I'm in a very happy marriage, my, but my husband has to travel sometimes, I can still feel those pangs, you know, those pangs of, oh, he's going and, and that it has perhaps more of an intense feeling in me than it otherwise might for other people who don't have the same background and, and a bit more anxiety around it. And I can work with that and, you know, I, I have tools to be okay with that to, and to know that that's what's going on for me. But that's just one example of how, you know, the, the ancient past of you almost can still come up in the now and just knowing about it, you can be really empowered to look after yourself and say, okay, I know what this is. I don't have to spiral into upset around this. I can deal with it. And I know myself enough to to look after myself when these things are bothering me. It's so powerful, these things like that are ingrained in us that we have reactions and we don't even know why initially, maybe why, like in your example, why you feel upset when your husband's gone and it goes back to your childhood. We, we had someone tell a story on the podcast about uh, something when they were six years old that was affecting their marriage. Uh, they'd been married for 20 years and it, this problem was ingrained in something that, that had didn't really come up for 20 years of marriage and had occurred when they were six years old and they were like in their sixties. So, yeah. and they didn't really get that person didn't really even get to the root of that, that problem for over 60 years, you know, and, and then mm -hmm. finally realizing, wow, like that is why it was so important to them. Yes, and that is normal. I mean, that is what it is to be human. The, our development affects who we are. And one of the most intense places for expressing who we are is in our close intimate relationships, our couple relationships and our, our close family relationships. And that, that's when uh, we, we show those influences from long ago because those, when we were little, you know, our attachment style, our way of being with close others is formed according to the, what we have with our parents and our, or our caregivers, whoever is, uh, is closest to us. And it's reflected later in our relationships. And, of course, we can modify it. Of course, we can, through awareness, change, change things. We're not a victim of the past, but uh, it does have an influence. And knowing about that influence is what gives us the power to uh, to work with it and to use it positively. Having a, a one and a half year old and then having this podcast and talking about this subject has made uh, my wife, Sarah and I like painfully aware of how we're parenting <laughs> uh, Stella and making sure, you know, it's like, everything's like, Oh, this is going to affect her attachment style. And, and it's yeah. just kind of, and it's so true. It, real quick. Could you kind of maybe, give us advice or our listeners as parents kind of uh, with a kid how we can navigate this oh yes i think i can keep it really simple and really clear by saying that to me a, one of the definitional factors of love and feeling loved is to be given true presence from the other person so if you have a sense as a child, even though you wouldn't have the words for it at that age, one and a half, you know, there's no words for it, but you feel what a real presence 
is from another person. They are not just with you physically, but they're with you emotionally. They're open and connected to you from the heart and giving their full attention in the moment. Not every moment because no parent can be there every moment. But when you are there and you're able to give your full attention, you're not having to make the dinner or do something else because we've got to be realistic. In those moments where you can give it fully, you give it fully. And the child feels that. And that is how you feel loved for me. That, that in absolute presence and attention, that mindful connection that involves the whole person, heart, mind, physically there, everything present in the moment. And that's that's love. You get that, you're doing okay. Yeah, wow, I, I love that. I love that it's, I guess you could say it's kind of simple, but it's complex and powerful. And, you know, put the iPhone down, put the, uh, the, constant the tv in the background and and really just focus in on your child or even i think that's valuable advice uh to to put towards your partner yes absolutely and yeah i'm glad that you you really get that yeah it's about putting the other things down and having those times when there's no distraction because the other person the other being be it your child your partner they're worth it they're enough just them nothing else is needed and that's that mindful connection that, that causes a person to understand that they are valuable to you. They're all you need in that moment for your full attention to be present. And, uh, you know, we can't do that all the time. We have other things we have to do, but we can do it sometimes. And in that, I think you build a strong personality and you help somebody to know love so they can also give love. Oh, I love that. And uh, we talked a little bit about emotional intelligence and how that relates to mindfulness. Can we just, uh, can you define emotional intelligence for us? Well, it's been defined in so many ways and it, and it, gets, it gets really complicated. Uh, we have emotional intelligence tests. It's, it's really, uh, it's very connected to the concept of mindfulness from where I am. So to, to keep it really simple, I, I see one of the major parts of emotional intelligence is, is what we've been talking about. It's that ability to observe your emotion, and that doesn't mean disconnect and be distant from it. It just means to be able to take a breath and understand what's happening in you, to be able to name emotions that are coming up for you, to be able to uh, speak about feelings and say, this is what I'm feeling now, uh, and to be able to be responsive rather than reactive. So rather than just lashing out if you're angry or running if you're afraid, to be able to take a breath and say, okay, this is what's happening for me. I know this is what it's called, and I'm going to see how I can express this in a way that's going to get me some help with it or that's going to reach out to the other person rather than shove them away um, to have some thoughtfulness, some mindfulness around the expression of emotion and also be able to, to recognize it for what it is. You mentioned it earlier. It's like understanding your emotions but not letting them run you. Yes. Yeah. Not, uh, not letting the, 
the horses kind of run the chariot, but is is the old yoga way of of talking about the the senses and the emotions that we don't let them take over and run us, that we are able to feel them, we're able to uh, give them their give them their credit and give them their head in 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 certain ways that they can draw us in certain ways, like horses pulling a pulling a chariot, but uh, that we are the the one in control. We are the the chariot driver, so we're able to observe and um, and make decisions. Now, I mentioned the the app, uh, the Headspace app that I use uh, for helping in meditation. Are there any sort of exercises that you can give our listeners uh, to help maybe start in a meditation practice or mindfulness practice? Sure. There, as you say, there are many out there. We have one in Australia called Smiling Mind. I'm not affiliated to it, but it's quite a good one. It is free, like the one you've suggested. Um, and it has many, many different meditations on there with lots of different um, voices. So you can find ones that work for you. Um, really just drawing back and taking what we might call um, a breathing space can be wonderful where you just you sit back or you can even do it, I mean, you can do it anywhere, doing anything. You can do it standing, sitting, eyes closed or open where you just take a few minutes to observe your breathing and that gives you an anchor, that gives you something to focus on because it's very hard at first to sit and observe your thoughts and feelings going past you when um, you're not used to doing that. You kind of, you need something a little bit more definite, a bit more concrete that you can focus on and breathing can be one of those places because it's always there, it's always with you. Uh, you watch your inhalation and exhalation and every time you feel your mind going off onto following up a thought or a feeling, a memory or a, a plan or wherever it's going, you just draw it back and just say to yourself, just watch the breathing, just the breathing, nothing else. And really the practice of mindfulness is just that, is bringing yourself back to just watching the breathing even though your mind is going to try to do all these other things that it does in active mode. You're saying to it, no, just come back into observer mode just for a couple of minutes. And you teach yourself this alternative state of mind that is more spacious than doing, doing, doing. You know, it um, just gives you a time out. And you find even after one or two minutes, you'll come back and feel just a little bit fresher and just a little bit more more spacious in your mind, like things aren't as crowded and busy. Yeah, that's great advice. And I would tell our listeners as a as I'm by no means a even a regular meditator, I try to do this app every morning. That usually ends up being twice a week if I'm lucky, but especially being a type A personality is that Doing this, it's not like a a win lose sort of like oh you're you're a good meditator you know like you're doing good. One of the things that helped me is just just the act of of attempting it and trying it. Don't put the pressure on yourself that you have to achieve some Zen state or that especially trying to control your thoughts. Like it's natural if you're going through these this breath work that thoughts are gonna come up and you're gonna think about the chores you have to do or picking up the kids from school and not to judge that and just to be okay with it. 
kind of really helped me release. And I still had those thoughts, but it was like, all right, I didn't judge my practice as successful or non-successful based on, you know, the, the quote Zen state that I was able to get in or not get into. Yeah, it's it's really important to acknowledge in any discussion of mindfulness that some people just do not want to meditate. They won't meditate because they don't they don't like the idea, or they, you know, they just don't want to do it. It doesn't appeal to them, and that's absolutely fine. I mean, you do not have to meditate every day to live mindfully. Meditation is a great way to learn mindfulness, but you you don't have to meditate every day for a certain amount of time or think of yourself as a yogi to, you know, a practitioner of yoga to um, be someone who can live mindfully, who can step back and exercise emotional intelligence at, at important times and disagree respectfully with a partner. You know, you don't have to be a regular meditator to learn to be mindful and to carry that through in your active daily life as an attitude, as a skill that you bring out from from what is already within you. Yeah, it's not about changing who you are in any way. Awesome. Well, this is all great advice. And now we got to move forward into the lasting love round. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? One tool. Well, learning to disagree respectfully and kindly is absolutely key because you won't always agree. And the first step to that is to be mindful to reflect on what's important to you and to listen to what the other person's saying and hear what's important to them. So to give it a moment and not flash back with reaction is vital to have that mindfulness. Is there a book or resource you recommend to listeners who want to improve their relationships? Well, I, I have recently written a book that is coming out in March uh, next year called Lovelands, and that's personal reflection as well as a lot of great relationship advice. Um, what do I recommend in the now? I have some resources that are available through my website, and then there are so many great mindfulness resources as we've suggested to learn mindfulness techniques to use as an underlying um, resource in, in all relationships. Awesome. Well, we'll have your book, Lovelands. It comes out in March 2017. We'll have that on your show notes page on idopodcast.com and uh, they'll be able to find those resources there. Thank you so much. It's been really lovely to talk to you this morning. No, we appreciate having you on the show and why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. It's pretty easy. It's drdebracampbell.com. Easy. Perfect. Well, as I already mentioned, our listeners can find your website on idopodcast.com under your show notes page. And we really appreciate you taking the time. It's morning time down in uh, Australia to to come on the show. And uh, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks.
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.